today as we consider how all the facets of uh, our life of faith and trust and every day just uh, a belief that God is with us and he's guiding us through all of the things that life throws at us and the responsibilities that we have been given. They require a level of trust that God is in that unseen realm orchestrating things in ways that we don't always uh, see or even appreciate. I like the imagery of, uh, of, of what we've done as far as the, the graphics go because it's just a, a way of saying that behind uh, the dark veil there's always something that is centered on the light and life of the Lord. And part of what we want to accomplish in this series is just to help us to see behind those things that we, we think are, are so final or those things that uh, we feel like are overwhelming us or that cast of darkness that doesn't seem to dissipate. That there is a sense that beyond that there is uh, our belief that takes us to that place beyond. And hopefully in what we've been looking at I've been able to steer you to um, uh, the paths that will lead you to those places. And for today, however, I want to look at people, not necessarily us, but people that we are responsible for to some degree. Uh, that is the uh, impressionable and forming young minds that uh, God uh, throws into the mix. And uh, it can be, interestingly enough, uh, at a space where you're just now beginning the process of life or it can even be as an adult child. In some ways, we're just never too old to learn and to grow. And Jesus is aware of that process and he wants us to be tuned in uh, to how we play a role in it. So what I'd like to do is uh, we're going to jump ahead in the book of Matthew from where we left off in chapter 9, uh, fast forwarding all the way to Matthew 18, which interestingly enough is a scenario that is pretty easy for us to relate to, but in a day when children weren't even in the Roman Empire regarded as human beings. They were just merely considered things or property until they were about three years old. And then there were a whole other range of things that um, involved children that were were kind of unseemly uh, whenever uh, they uh, um, lived within that culture. And for Jesus in his world, a lot of times people just looked at children as being kind of an inconvenience and not really uh, even real people until they matured enough to see whether or not they could add value. So with that said, uh, I want to read uh, what we find in Matthew 18 verses 1 through 6. So here's what Matthew writes, At that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him um, a child, he put him in the midst of them and he said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like a child, like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. So 
it's a pretty dramatic statement that he makes there at the end, but that isn't that isn't you know that isn't all that's uh, embedded in this passage. There's this sense that what he's doing right here is almost revolutionary, because he's essentially saying the the segment of the population that you discount or that you don't highly regard as being valuable. Well, as a matter of fact, there's something about them that I want you to pay careful attention to. And that is just their openness and their willingness uh, to be instructed, to learn. Um, And I'm not saying that kids aren't willful because all of us who've had kids have known about the terrible twos or the threes, you know, where they find a word that they just latch onto. It's a two-letter word, and it's called no. And they get really good at finding every opportunity to exercise it. And at times, you know, you just want to say, you know, I brought you into the world. Uh, I can, I can take you out just as quickly. But you, you, you don't. You, you bite your tongue and you're patient because you know something's going on in their lives. They're learning to differentiate themselves a little bit. They're learning to be their own person as far as choice making goes and it's a powerful thing but the problem is uh, they're going to continue to grow and they need a lot of guidance and a lot of wisdom because the challenges of life are just going to increasingly get greater and greater and being a parent who's uh, still kind of raising kids uh, I've seen the life cycle of it up to this point and recognize that at the various stages uh, there is a need for me to help them as both a father and a mentor to navigate that landscape and it's a lot of fun but it's also kind of scary at times and when Jesus said what he did uh, he wanted to remind everybody Not only should we be like children in our openness to learn and assimilate the things of the kingdom into our lives, but we should also recognize that since he's on the subject, that the well-being and the spiritual formation of these young lives is also a critical consideration. So it's almost like Jesus is saying, the theme for this lesson, people, is going to be children. And I'm sure a lot of people are going, oh no. But he didn't want to exclude anybody. So he just wanted to start out by saying, we all kind of have to be like him, don't we? Chances are, if you begin to follow Jesus, you discover that he's going to try to guide you and instruct you and mentor you through all of life's challenges. And there's a part of you that's going to say, I really want to pay attention and learn the things of the Lord. But I have to be honest, if you're like me, there's a part of you that says, yeah, but you know, in that area, Lord, I kind of want to do my own thing. And the only reason I'm so clued into that is I honestly think before I became a parent, I, I really didn't understand the frustrations that God had. You know, when I look at my kids and I see them in a frustrating moment, part of me says, I just don't know if I got the patience for this. And then there's another part of me that steps back and says, oh, I wonder if God's ever thought that about me. And I have a feeling that he has, each of us. He said, yeah, just like you're impatient with that person, hey, (laughs) I've been tracking with you a long time, and there are times when, yeah, I just, I got to bite my tongue as well. But thankfully, Scripture says God is is a patient God. But he, at the same time, 
like any caring parent, isn't vacant, but rather is engaged in the process of helping us to learn and grow as adults. And so children are actually instructive for Jesus because he recognizes in them qualities that we have to remind ourselves is, first of all, that we have to be willing and open to learn about the things of the kingdom of God just like a child would. We have to be willing and open to learn about the things of the kingdom of God just like a child is willing to be open and, and learn in that way. Now, the cool thing about being a parent also is just watching them mimic. I mean, aren't little kids great mimics? And if you've forgotten, I'll just show you a video real quick and you can, you can sort of wrap your mind around uh, what that means as far as how it is they attend to what you do. Let's just show that short clip. Oh, man. That's so special. Uh, Because that that is how we are. And that's exactly what Jesus was talking about. You know, he said, don't let that go. Because here's the thing. Uh, You know, you you discover as a kid, when you start to mature, uh, you can begin to go from that innocent and, well, I wouldn't say totally innocent, but mostly innocent and trusting and naive child to recognizing that, yeah, uh, there are bad things that happen in the world. And and even come to a place where you realize, and it's a shocking revelation, that your parents, well, they're not perfect. And once you come to that awareness, it's sort of like your world gets a little bit wobbly. Because they're the whole reason for your stability and for your security and everything that you just take for granted that is the backdrop of your life that just makes you feel safe. And when you recognize that, well, they, they sin too, they have flaws too, they are not perfect. They say that as a child develops, it begins to kind of rock their world a little bit. But then they they sort of find their footing and they recognize that that is the case and they make their peace with it. And the hope is that as the child is sort of assimilating all of this uh, understanding, that as you are, as an adult, having an openness to the teachings of the kingdom of God like a child that you also are beginning to imitate in your own life the things of God in such a way that they start to take their cue from that. And when I just say a child, I don't necessarily even mean your own child, but it could very well be a child that is, that, 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 that is somehow under the influence of your love or your mentoring, of your presence. 
Uh, because children not only look up to their parents, they also look up to other people that, that they respect. And usually they respect them because, well, first of all, they paid attention to them. They loved on them. And when they showed that they were a trustworthy person, they began to give them that same sense of, uh, uh, of respect as an authority figure. And for some of us, we've had people in the background of our lives who were not even blood relatives, but had somehow taken an interest in us and offered timely advice, wisdom, and things like that along the way. And I think about a lot of kids who grow up in life and they don't have any of those resources at all. And so they just kind of have to make it up along the way. And then I also think about those whose parents really don't have the things of God in mind and the kid is saying to themselves who because they don't know any different then how they're behaving is how I should behave now I'm not really thinking of anyone in the room in this situation but I'm actually referencing another child that's mentioned in the Bible it was the child of very wealthy people who had high social status, so high that, well, they, 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 were, they were in control of a lot of people. And uh, this particular family didn't have the things of the Lord in mind at all. However, because they were, well, they were part of the, 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 the kingdom of, of Israel, Herod and, and his family, uh, you would think they would know better. They would be so in tune with the things of God in that role and representative. But that's not the case. You see, the, the daughter in the story is dancing in front of everybody at, a, at, a, at, a, at, a, at sort of a, a banquet, a celebration. And as she's dancing, um, uh, uh, her father says, you know, just in, because you're entertaining us so much... In, in, in your mind, what's the one thing that you want that we can give you and we'll, we'll, we'll give it to you? And not really knowing how to respond because it said in the scripture that she's actually a little girl. She deferred to her mom and her, her mom said, come here, I'll tell you. This is what you need to do. Tell your dad that we need to have John the Baptist's head on a platter. So she walks over to her dad and she says, this is my request, Dad. Can you cut the head off of that guy and bring it in? And you have to sort of step back and say, what moral universe is in play here? But the fact of the matter is, all the child is doing is just following the lead of their parents. And that's why it is so critical for us when we think about young lives forming that we recognize that they're just imitating what they see us doing. Now, as parents and grandparents and family and friends of young lives, we have to stop and we have to ask ourselves, who are the people that God has put in my field of vision in this season? And what is it that God wants me to do to be an influence upon their lives? So the second point, I guess, of this sermon beyond 
learning the, and accepting the teachings of the kingdom of God like a child is being able to see how you can influence children for the kingdom of God. And as I think about just my role and who I am as a pastor and as a believer, uh, my pastor in my uh, church that I began my faith in sort of mentored me as a spiritual father. And there were a couple of other spiritual fathers who played that role as well because even as an adult, I still had a lot of questions about so many things in life and so many gaps in my understanding that I was grateful that I had some trustworthy people like Bill Stark and, and Bob Kirka and, and Jim Strauss, just to name a few who were there whenever I had questions as a young man how it is that I could bring my faith to bear on it. And they were really good at, at giving me that guidance. I honestly can tell you, I know I'm not a perfect person, but a lot of who I am as a father and as a person and as a pastor, the good qualities that you see are in many ways the result of their influence upon my lives. Perhaps the ornery qualities that you see are just that two and three year old uh, inside of me saying, no, no, I'm not going to do that. And God's saying, well, we'll see. And as you're patient with, um, with, with your own children, God is patient with us. It's interesting, last night is uh, we, um, we've had such a busy week on so many fronts. Uh, my, my son was in uh, Howland for his debate. Um, uh, it, was, it was a debate tournament and and uh, he's, he's done a really good job in debate. And he was um, wondering if he was going to go to nationals. And, he, and, he, and, he, and he, he ended up being fourth in the, in the district. And uh, just, just one, one win away from going to the nationals. So came home and he was sort of conflicted. Like, I'm glad I, I got fourth, but I... You know, I, I wish I could have went a little bit farther. And he had a person that he and this other person have been kind of going back and forth the whole time. And at the end of the day, the difference was um, Steve didn't have a coach last year. He just, he just coached himself. And this other fellow had had good coaching for a few years. And I said, Stephen, it is, you've done the best that you can with the circumstances that you've been given. But he's had the opportunity to be mentored a little bit more in this field. And he's developed a little bit more. And I said it just kind of underscores the importance of how it is that we influence other people so that they can bring out their own potential. So maybe the takeaway for you is how can you be that person for somebody else that you didn't have? As I just think about what I shared uh, about Walt Eibel, one of the things that profoundly uh, struck me in the telling of his story was that at the age of eight, his father passed away. And then in the midst of all of that, of course, is the Great Depression. And all of the burdens and responsibilities of having to grow up very fast and take care of responsibilities that should otherwise be given to adults. And he had to put that mantle on. And if you read his obituary, uh, maybe you noticed that there was just a, a whole list of things that he did accomplishment-wise. 
But if you knew Walt, he wasn't one who was pretentious by any stretch. He was pretty matter-of-fact. And it came out in the course of uh, the telling uh, by, by all of his sons when they came up and spoke that despite everything that Walt had going on in his world, his number one priority was us. And I thought about why was that? But what would make somebody prioritize their children in such a profound way unless they themselves didn't have the opportunity to have a dad be a dad to them? And I think not being able to experience it drove him to ensure that his, the thing that he could be responsible for and the thing they had control over was to be an influence in these young lives. Now, for you and I, it's a mixed bag. We've all had varying degrees of influence. We've all had um, uh, things that have been disappointments in life, and some of them have been the loss of a father at, at perhaps a younger age. And it strikes pretty deep. And as we just think about what that meant, maybe God is saying, as difficult as that was, in the range of people that I've laid out in front of you, you have an opportunity to be that person because you're still here. And so we have to be the kingdom to the lives of the people that God has put in front of us that are just learning and growing and teaching. Now, as I, as I showed you that video, could anybody relate to that experience seeing that? You've all, you've all kind of been there in some form or another. And it is cute watching kids mimic, no doubt. There was another video that I didn't show. And I'll tell you why I didn't show it. Is because um, it was a public service announcement on this topic in the UK. And it had children following their parents. And one of the things that the parent was doing was smoking a cigarette. So the child is smoking the cigarette. And then the other one is another person um, did the single finger salute in traffic. And so the child was giving the single finger salute, if you know what I mean, to other people. And it was just, and it just got darker from there. And I thought, wow, how impressionable our young lives. One of the reasons why, and, and we can't, we, we can only influence to a small degree, uh, we've done so much in our children's wing, is because we know that we are supplementing the processes that are happening in the home. And we hope that if they're not happening, that somehow, at least through the kids, and getting to know the parents, and being able to bring them into an environment like this, and help them to learn the things of the kingdom, that somehow the process that hasn't been working will begin to work. Because it is critical in the eyes of God that young lives are attended to in the best way possible. As discounted as they were in Jesus' day, and perhaps exploited and abused, Jesus said, no, these young lives have value and dignity. And Jesus went on to say a few more things. Uh, you know, the, the, the statement about the millstone. And it's a, it's a sobering statement, isn't it? isn't it? Because we all haven't always been perfect around kids. But I think what Jesus is saying is, yeah, every once in a while we'll slip up and it doesn't mean that well, we instantly lose and God's going to drown us in that way. But he is saying, 
be very careful how you lead young lives because the influence is profound. And if you decided through the course of your whole life, I really don't care, and you just expose them to all kinds of things that are damaging to, you, to their soul, Jesus said, you better watch out because it's not going to bode well for you. And that's how, that's how concerned he was about making his point. Well, he finally says something else. There's a lot more. But he says, these young lives are so important Don't you know that the angels over them are petitioning before the throne of God as their faces are directed to God? And it's an image that there is an angel assigned to a child in all of their immaturity and naivete that's watching out for them. I mean, the writer of the book of Hebrews in chapter 1 verse 14 uh, talks about the angels that are part of the invisible unseen realm but yet nonetheless very real in your life and mine and the lives of these young people are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation speaking of the angels and when whoever wrote the book of Hebrews said that it was their way of recognizing something that I think people just said It's so obvious we don't even have to talk about it that much. But 2,000 years from that moment, we have to remind ourselves there are angels that guard us, that watch over our children, and that part of our prayer should even be that the angels of God will surround them and protect them. Now, I don't know about, about you, Jerry, but, you know, sending your kid off to school and thinking about the vulnerability of all of that and the possibility of the what-ifs, it kind of starts to hit you whenever they, they, they go because you don't call them up at 11 o'clock at night and say, why aren't you in your dorm room? You know, you got to kind of let them go. But the one thing that believers need to remember is that they can ask God's angels to surround them and to protect them. And I honestly believe uh, at that stage in the process, that's what you do. And perhaps even through their whole life cycle as you see them develop in their own way. You see, God doesn't leave us just vulnerable and without any, any of the assets of the kingdom uh, in play. But rather, he draws our attention to things that we don't see behind that curtain that are active agents. One of Stephen's friends while we were on uh, vacation just last month, who'd been to our house a number of times, um, uh, was um, driving with, um, w- with another close friend and um, driving too fast on a road that shouldn't have been even a third of that speed. But kids being who they are, they don't know sometimes the limitations. And um, Stephen called us and said, my friend Joey had, well, he had rolled, he'd rolled his car over several times. And we're like, what? Because uh, Joey had just been at our house the week prior. And my first thought was, were you with him? <laughs> and he said, no, I was working. Um, I said, well, how's he doing? And he said, well, he and his friend, they walked away from it. They shouldn't have, but they didn't have a scratch. 
And we've heard that story a number of times. And you have to wonder, was there somebody in the background praying in maybe some general sense uh, for these young people? I honestly don't know. Only the Lord knows. But the one thing that I do know is that I believe. I believe that God is at work in the unseen realm and that his call to us is to ask him to be a part of those things in a deeper, richer way. I believe that God calls us to worship every Sunday to not only be instructed by the word, encouraged in the faith, but also to take what we are gathering in terms of wisdom and guidance and pouring that into other lives as we leave here. Many of you tell me about time that you're able to spend with grandchildren, possibly when parents don't go to church for whatever reason. And it's the opportunity to feed into their lives things that, for whatever reason, they're not getting otherwise. And I love hearing that story. Because I know that it's just taking away what you get here and bringing it to bear upon those lives. And I love hearing stories about praying for the people in your world that mean so much to you. Because I know that that's your way of saying children are important. But you know what I I especially love is when people like you and I gather who are strong-willed, who have strong opinions, who kind of want to do it our way sometimes, who like the Lord about this and this and this and this, but sometimes we're like, Lord, I don't really want to go along with that or that. And what I like about the fact is there is in each of you an openness to saying, but yes, Lord, I know that's the right thing to do. And in time, we figure it out. My, my son was so distracted last night, I kind of tell on him because he's not here, because uh, he's d- doing the same stuff I did. Um, he was going to a friend's house afterwards, and he went to back out of our driveway uh, to um, uh, go and, and visit with them. And, well, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a guitarist who was over there who has a girlfriend who lives in New York who happened to be home. And I'm not going to go any farther than that because that's a whole other sermon. But <laughs> for whatever reason, Stephen decided that this guy that was hitting on his sister, he was going to hit his car with my truck. But it was accidental. Not intentional. But it just blew his mind. And he's just totally beating himself up. And it, 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 what it did to me was a flashback. Because I didn't do quite that same thing. But I kind of did the same thing. And it rocked my world. And I remember my dad coming alongside me and saying, It's alright, it's not the end of the world. We can, we can, we can get through this. And, and, and we did. But had he not been there to encourage me, I, maybe I, I wouldn't have been as constructive about it and learned that this is one of many of life's painful experiences that you're going to go through. But because that person was there, they assured me, you'll get through it. It'll work out. And sometimes we have to be that person. And... On, a, on the deepest level of who we are, we gather in this room and we bring a lot of fear, we bring a lot of pain, we bring a lot of uncertainty. 
Things that we've never experienced before or things that no one has mentored us into. Things that are uncertainties or things that God has never led me down this road before. And we're like, God, I know I could trust you in the past, but with this, are you really there? Are you, do you really care? Are you tuned into what I'm going through? And I would say that if you are tuned into him like a little child, not arrogant, not off-putting, not saying, God, I don't need you, God will be right there. Because in your own way, you're just coming to him as a little child in terms of how your, how your attitude is about this, asking in a spirit of dependence for his help. And he'll help us. And our deepest need is, Lord, we're lost in our sins. We're held captive to the things that overpower us. And we need your salvation. And when we humble ourselves in that way, God says, I see you as a little child and I can't help but want to rescue you and I will. And he will. And the good news is that no matter what we've done or what mistakes we've made or the things that we habitually can't overcome, whatever it is, God's saying, I love you. I've been patient with you. And I want to do everything that I can to guide you. I just want to know if you're willing. And if you are, whatever your need is, I believe that he will help you with it and help you through it. Would you bow with me? Father, as we just take everything that we've summarized into this moment and we just find the lives that you place in front of us, and maybe it's even our own, and you instruct us, Lord. You help us, Father, to know your guidance. You use us to guide other people when they seem lost. You provide, Lord, comfort and healing when, when we need it the most. And we thank you that as we approach you in the spirit of a child, that you don't turn your face away from us but rather you highly regard that moment as one that um, is centered in your love and your embrace. So I just pray for those here who need you in whatever way it is, Lord, that in that spirit of dependence, we would trust that you are here for us. And I pray for every young life that we have represented within this collection of people that you are using us to influence. That we would have even more clarity on what you're doing and what you're doing through us. And help us to invest our energies accordingly. Thank you, Father. And I just pray that if there's any soul here that is disconnected from your family that they could experience adoption. And even today, if necessary, that you would help whoever is in this room that needs you as Lord and Savior to find you as that, as that person in their lives. 
And just use us, Father, to help them along the way. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.